How far would you go to save a life? What sacrifices would you be prepared to make to your own family life to save someone spiritually and give them an education that perhaps they never had? Welcome to the Transformative Duff. Today we are on page 18 of Ksubis. My name is Rabbi Daniel Friedman. And today we learn that when it comes to children, you can be a child at any age, not only pre-bar and bat mitzvah. To sponsor an episode of the Transformative Duff, please email me, transformativeduff at gmail.com. Welcome to the Transformative Duff, and thank you for being my chavrusa today. I like to begin with the story. It was during the time of the judges and a famine had struck the land of Israel. Elimelech, one of the leaders of Israel, takes his wife Naomi and their two sons and heads out to Moab. There, the boys marry local women named Ruth and Orpah. Sadly, Elimelech and his sons pass away shortly thereafter. Bereft of any family, Naomi decides that it's time to return to the Holy Land. She bids farewell to her daughters-in-law, but they insist on joining her on her journey. After a little persuading, Orpah agrees to stay behind. But not Ruth, who famously declares, Wherever you go, I shall go. Wherever you stay, I shall stay. Your people shall be my people, and your God my God. Where you die, I shall die, and there I shall be buried. Ruth returns with Naomi to Israel and immediately sets out to seek sustenance for herself and her aging mother-in-law. She finds work in the field of Boaz, who instantly takes a personal liking to her for her fine character traits that she displays. They end up getting married and having a child whom they name Oved. The Tanakh then tells us, Naomi took the child and held him in her bosom. She became his adoptive mother and the neighbors would refer to him saying, a son is born to Naomi. Let's look at today's Gemara. Rebel Ezeban Yaakov says, There are times when although no one claimed that another owes him money, a person takes an oath on the basis of his own claim. How so? If one person says to another, Your father has 100 dinars in my possession, but I provided him with repayment of half that amount, he is required to take an oath that he be repaid half, and that is the case of one who takes an oath on the basis of his own claim. However, the rabbis say in that case it is merely akin to returning a lost article, and he is exempt from taking an oath. But is Rebbe Leazar ben Yaakov not of the opinion the one who returns the lost article is exempt from taking an oath that he did not keep part of the total fine for himself? Rav says this is a case where a child makes a claim against him. But didn't the master say one does not take an oath on the basis of the claim of a deaf mute, one who is developmentally disabled, or a child? What is the meaning of child? It means an adult. And why does Rav call him a minor? Because concerning his father's matters, he is a child. Let's analyze the Gemara. Rabbi Leza ben Yaakov discusses the situation where someone died with an outstanding debt owed to him. His heirs are unaware of the transaction and debtor comes over to let the son know that he had borrowed money from his father and partially repaid the debt. Ordinarily, when one claims to repay part of a debt, he must swear to that effect. But in the case where the heirs had no idea about the debt, the person who borrowed the money need not have volunteered the information. And even when he did, he could have simply offered information about the remaining unpaid amount. Since he told the son about the full amount, we have no reason to believe that he is lying about having partially repaid his debt. The Gemara then suggests that the children of the deceased did know about the debt, and it was they who had initiated the claim against him. Therefore, he would presumably be obligated to swear if he was claiming to have repaid in part. Challenging this assumption, however, the Gemara wonders whether a child has the legal ability to demand an oath, making for an inconceivable scenario. Nevertheless, the Gemara concludes that child here doesn't mean a minor, but the adult child of the deceased. Colloquially, 
We've all dealt with the awkwardness of the word child. There's a certain period in a person's life when they're children and not quite children. When your friend has little children, you can ask him how his children are. Much later in life, you can ask him how his children and grandchildren are doing. It's the in-between stage that feels a little strange and uncomfortable. Here's how the conversation often sounds. Great to see you. How are your children doing? Well, um, I mean, I know they're not really kids anymore. I should probably call them young adults. How are your young adults keeping? But of course, they're always the children of your friend. That doesn't change with age. It's just the way we talk about them. That's what the Gemara means. Rav calls the heir the child of the deceased. But he doesn't mean child as in little kid. He means the biological offspring. And no matter how old a person is, they always remain their parent's child. A dear congregant once taught me a powerful lesson about children that changed my whole Shabbos focus. What should the topic of conversation be at the Shabbos table? Should you talk politics, current affairs? In one of his great teachings, Rabbi Dr. Abraham Twersky Zatzal says that it's all about the kids. Talk parasha with them. Ask them what they're learning in school. Even if you have other guests at the table, it doesn't matter, says Rabbi Twersky. The guests must know that Shabbos is about the children. After reading Rabbi Tversky's sage advice, we adopted this policy in our home. And it was life-changing. Suddenly our Shabbos table became utterly pure and holy, and escaped from the mundane world around us. Until one day, that is, when it backfired. As a young man came into my office ostensibly to chat about some halachic matters. Then at the end of the conversation, he finally summoned up the courage to share the real purpose of his visit, an issue that had been troubling him for some time. A couple of months ago, he explained, my wife and I were at your Shabbos table. While we appreciated the invitation, I must be honest with you, Rabbi, we felt like extras. You seem to be focused on your own children. You hardly asked us about our own lives. We were wondering why you'd even bothered having us over for lunch. It suddenly dawned on me that I'd completely misinterpreted Rabbi Tversky's teaching. He wasn't saying ignore the guests. All he was saying was remember the Shabbos to keep it holy. And as Rav points out, we are all still children of our parents. I then realized that there were many children sitting around my Shabbos table. Sure, I have a duty to my own children to teach them about the parasha, but what about the spiritual children whom I had invited over? Did they know the parasha? Did they feel like an active part of our Shabbos aura? Did they feel loved and appreciated and integral to the future of our people the same way I wanted my biological children to feel? Judaism has always maintained quite a broad sense of who may be considered your child. The first paragraph of the Shema commands, and you shall teach it to your children. Rashi immediately comments, these are your students. As Reb Shmuel Bar Nachmeni teaches in the name of Reb Yonason, anyone who teaches his friend son Torah, it is as if he gave birth to him. Similarly, the Gemara there notes that Naomi was considered the mother of Oved because she adopted him as if he were her own and dedicated her life to nurturing and rearing him. We're all familiar with adoption for passport age children. Our Gemara's suggestion that one can be considered a child at any age adds a whole new dimension to the notion of spiritual adoption. Taking someone under your wing and teaching him to her, irrespective of his age, makes him your child. It's as if you've adopted him. The key thing to keep in mind, though, is that adoption takes extraordinary attention and dedication. It's beautiful to have different and varied guests each Shabbos sharing your traditional Torah-focused Shabbos table with a maximum number of people. But in the long run, it's hard to know how helpful that is. If you really want to create an enduring impact, find a spiritual child and adopt him. 
have him over at your home every Shabbos. Traditionally, we call such a person a Ben Bias, which literally means a member of the household. I remain ever grateful to Yisrael conducting the Pasuk for the many Shabbosim I spent as a Ben Bias in their home while I learned in Yeshiva in Melbourne. But I'm even more grateful to Professor Michael and Dr. Atara Hasafer, who were working at the Australian National University in Canberra in the 1960s. During their tenure, there was a young man living in the neighborhood who had grown up in the Blue Mountains of New South Wales, completely ignorant of Tara Mitzvahs. His parents were raised in religious homes in Czechoslovakia, but left the path of our tradition on account of the Shoah. At the age of 18, however, the young man took himself on a mission to discover Judaism. He met the Hasafer family at the ACT Jewish Community Center, and they invited him for a Shabbos, and then another, and another, and it didn't take long for them to get a sense of how his soul yearned for Torah, and so they decided to make an enormous sacrifice that undoubtedly impacted their own family immensely. They invited the young man to come and live with them. He shared a room with their teenage son and became a member of the family. That man is my father, who today is a Ben Torah, who has brought many more seekers under the wings of the Shekhinah. He became who he is today because the Hasafers realized that in order to reach his full spiritual potential, he couldn't be sharing a non-kosher flat with people who had differing spiritual goals. He needed to be immersed in Jewish family life. And I am who I am because of their incredible generosity. Rabbi Tversky is right. Our children need our attention. But we live in an age when most of our people are spiritual children. May you merit becoming a parent to hundreds and thousands and receiving everlasting nachas from all your kinderlach, wishing you a transformative day. Thank you for tuning into the Transformative Duff Podcast with Rabbi Daniel Friedman. Whether you've been doing Duff Yomi for years or you're not quite ready to commit but want to be part of the Duff Yomi global movement, there's something in the Transformative Duff for everyone. It's about joining the conversation. It's about talking over the Duff with your family, your friends, your colleagues. It means never being short of a discussion starter or a meaningful Dvatara. Every page of the Gemara, every word, every letter contains the secrets of the universe to achieving a life of simcha and purpose. Transform your life today. The Transformative Daf is published by Mosaica Press and available at all good Jewish bookstores and online from mosaicapress.com. Thank you, The Transformative Daf.